Chapter 11 of The Fortune Hunter, a novel of New York Society by Anna Cora Mollett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kelly Taylor. They name thee before me a nail to mine ear. Byron. The wisest and best men, says a German author, whose schemes are the grandest and whose hopes the highest, are most liable to disappointment. It was probably upon the truth of this sentiment that Mr. Badger was reflecting, as he sat in his dark and dusty little office near the exchange, making out a list of friends who, in spite of his vigilant exertions, had managed to absent themselves during his memory-refreshing visits. Conspicuously upon his list stood forth the name of Mr. Eustace Mordaunt. Mr. Badger pointed with his long, bony forefinger at that name, and gravely soliloquized, "'This won't do, and do injustice to the public. Call there twice this week. Old woman said deaf never hears my knock. Promised to fork out the shiners two days ago.' no escape having thus expressed himself he took up his hat with an air of a man determined to do his duty and sallied forth his countenance exhibiting that self-satisfied cheerfulness that usually characterized it when engaged in pursuing his nation mr mordaunt sometime had business in wall street so had mr badger always the latter gentleman was so intimately acquainted with the, all the dark nooks and corners of this busy thoroughfare that, like Byron, he was often alone amid the crowd, an unobserved and contemplative observer of the actions and passions of his fellow men. Whether or not he had the faculty of rendering himself invisible we cannot say, but it is quite certain that about an hour after he left his office, Mr. Mordaunt, who happened to be thoughtfully walking down Wall Street at this time, was suddenly startled by a hand cordially stretched out to grasp his, and the apparition of a jocose face unexpectedly smiling in front of him, as only those who have accomplished some darling purpose can smile. Ah, Mordaunt, my dear fat! Even Mr. Badger, with all his fluency of tongue, could hardly finish that familiar word addressed to the cold and stately individual who stood frowning before him. Delighted to meet you. Call twice at your house. Old lady so deaf she can't hear my knock. Better get rid of her. How's t'other one, eh? Mean the black-eyed one that won't wear a bit of comb in all that sublime hair of hers. Fine woman, fine woman, only too pale. A change, almost appalling, passed over the features of Mr. Mordaunt as Badger spoke these last words. His usually colorless cheeks and white lips grew livid. His eyes became distended and the orbs rolled wildly in their sockets. Quick and gasping came his thickened breath, and every limb, whose position had before been so full of majestic haughtiness, quivered and shook as with an ague. 
mr badger was more awed by the horror depicted in the liniments before him than he had ever been when rage and defiance usurped its place hush whispered mordaunt and the sound seemed strangely prolonged for it was the only one he could utter uh, certainly certainly rejoined badger resuming his former lively and easy deportment never lisp a word about the lady in the garret oh you sober-faced old sinner added he in a bantering tone who'd suspect how you amused yourself at home hey don't forget to present my compliments sorry you didn't introduce me have i not warned you at your peril never again to mention the subject never while you live mention it even to yourself unless you would have evil befall you say no more some folks don't mind talking about their little harem scarum scrapes and some folks always keep em close mr mordaunt did not reply and his friend continued jocosely but i didn't think it of you i didn't never suspected it i you're a jolly fellow as cunning about shutting the girls up in the garret as any deluder of em all by heaven this is too much mr badger if you have any consideration up for yourself if you do not wish to incense me beyond all endurance to set me mad vociferated mordaunt losing all self-possession you will never allude to that unfortunate being again you have once given me your promise and i thought i believed say no more nuff said never mention her name that's to say after i know it your business with me mr badger was concerning that little bill in your hand exactly exactly hit the nail on the head that time never trouble any friends about business until they are quite ready always study their convenience make it a rule my dear fellow make it a rule before badger finished speaking mr mordaunt had taken out a well-worn but slenderly filled pocket-book and placed its contents in mr badger's hand it will not make up the whole account but it is every dollar i have it must content you in a few days i have the prospect of receiving a sum of money which has been some time due for lawyer's fees you shall then be satisfied difficulty about getting in the shiners eh don't let that distress you put the bills in my hands i'll collect it no fear they'll pay me everybody pays me i'll do the business for you that is impossible for i should then lose the chance of being again employed and now mr badger i wish you a very morning i believe our roads lie in different directions mr mordaunt passed on and mr badger stood looking after him shaking his head demurely and muttering to himself who'd a thought it o the old chap who'd a thought it never suspected him last man in the world all alike all alike sober chaps no better than the rattlepates the women play the devil with em all convinced of this fact mr badger proceeded to make a few calls upon the wives and daughters of the gentleman whose name he kept in his memorandum book he invariably found it a good policy to have an interview with the female portion of the family 
and engage their services in influencing the male to reward his assiduity perhaps there was sometimes no small portion of selfishness on the part of the ladies who undertook to promote his views for the visits of mr badger were by no means short or few and he had a method of his own of gaining admittance exactly at the very moment when his presence created the greatest sensation not to say disturbance End of chapter 11